0: You're listening to the Restless Wanderer podcast by Paul Coulter, and this is part 41 of a series in Matthew's Gospel. Matthew chapter 27, verse 55. There were also many women there looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. We'll pause there at verse 56. And these little lines come just after the death of Jesus and the declaration of the centurion that he was the son of God. In the last episode, we saw how the chief priests had concluded that Jesus was bad. How Pilate thought he was mad not to defend himself, but how the centurion looking with fresh eyes could see that Jesus was the son of God. And we saw three uh, signs that tell us the meaning of the death of Jesus, the hours of darkness echoing the book of Amos, God judging the sins of his people. The uh, cry of Jesus, quoting from Psalm 22, telling us this was an innocent man suffering who God would vindicate. Uh, fulfilling the Old Testament uh, prophecies. And then um, the curtain being torn and the resurrection of the dead, uh, showing us that a new way was open to God that sin had finally been dealt with. But then we have this reference to the the women who had accompanied Jesus and it's quite beautiful that Matthew pauses to mention them. It's significant because of course these are historical accounts. They are things that really happened and those women were eyewitnesses to those facts. But also it's beautiful to read how these women had ministered to Jesus. Now it is true that Jesus appointed only men as his apostles. He chose 12 men to be his apostles and it's my conviction based on my understanding of scripture that that pattern continues into the church that elders uh, pastors uh, ministers whatever word you might want to use overseers should be men rather than women but qualified men of course but there is no doubt that that does not mean that women are in any sense inferior to men in terms of their faith or their ability to serve God. Overseers, as qualified men, have a responsibility to give oversight to the church, to guard its doctrine, to teach scripture faithfully, to shepherd its people well. Uh, But there are many, many tasks that uh, need to be done by both men and women who are gifted by God and and first and foremost these women are the greatest example of faith and of faithfulness there is no woman who betrays jesus there is no woman who even denies jesus as peter had done the women stay more faithful they stay closer they had loved jesus they had tended to him they had provided for his physical and material needs they had cooked for him they had probably mended his clothes These women loved him dearly. Mary Magdalene, who had been delivered by Jesus from seven demons, according to Luke chapter eight and Mark 16, Jesus had delivered her in a, a glorious way. And along with that Mary Magdalene, and it is a little confusing because there's lots of Mary's. There is Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. And then the mother of the sons of Zebedee, that's the mother of James and, and John. And we know she also followed Jesus because we read of her elsewhere. So these three women are named and they're not the only women because it says they were among the women who were there, but they are, are singled out. Let's read on then, verse 57 uh, to of Matthew chapter 27. sitting opposite the tomb we'll pause our reading again at verse 61 of matthew chapter 27 now you notice a little bit of detail is given us about the burial of jesus that's important because of course i'm sure you're aware of what is coming next there's going to be the resurrection and it's important that the gospels clearly establish for us that jesus was really dead and he was really buried. The man who comes, Joseph from Arimathea, uh, is a disciple of Jesus. He's a rich man and Ma- uh, Mark's Gospel, chapter 15, tells us he was a respected member of the council. And that's important. There were not; It was not that all of the Jewish religious leaders turned against Jesus and plotted against him. Some, perhaps only a few, but had become disciples of Jesus, were good and godly men, were not involved in the plot against Jesus. Uh, as i say joseph is called a member of the council in chapter uh, mark chapter 15 verse 43 Uh, we also have um, nicodemus the man who came to jesus uh, by night according to john 3 became a secret follower of jesus as well but joseph comes and he asks Pilate for the body of Jesus. This, of course, is a Roman crucifixion. The Romans uh, possess the body and he needs to ask for permission. He can't just take the body. Uh, but Pilate, and, and again, Matthew doesn't tell us this, but Mark does. Pilate was surprised, Mark 15, to hear that he Jesus had already died. It was unusual that Jesus died as quickly as he did. Uh, that's because crucifixion was designed to take a very long time indeed people could take hours upon hours upon hours more than a day to hang there on the cross in excruciating pain before finally they would succumb why did jesus die more quickly well some suggest it's because of this scourging that he had uh, and the intense emotional suffering that he had in the garden of gethsemane that meant his body was already weakened i suppose that's possible but i think more significantly is the fact that Jesus was in control of the timing of his death. He had to accomplish the job he was given of taking the punishment for sins, but once that job was fulfilled, uh, he could cry out, it is finished, and he commanded his spirit into his father's hands. In other words, unlike every other human being who has ever died, Jesus could choose the moment of his death. Now, I know you might say someone who ends their own life chooses that moment, but um, they do so under the sovereignty of God. God allows that to happen. Jesus did not choose to die. He didn't take an action to kill himself, but he surrendered his spirit to God. And a human being cannot normally do that. Only the incarnate Son of God could do that. So it's not that Jesus... Uh, took his own life it is that he returned the life that had been given to him to his father so I think that the the shortness of the crucifixion compared to other crucifixions uh, is is uh, to do with that sovereign choice of Jesus that his work was fulfilled he was ready to return his spirit to God but of course the uh, at a natural uh, physical level The additional suffering and scourging that he had been through uh, all night with the chief priests, as well as with the Roman soldiers, with the guards of the of the priests uh, and with the Roman soldiers could have contributed to that. In any case, Mark tells us that Jesus, uh, Pilate was surprised and he summoned the centurion and asked him whether Jesus was dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, then he let Joseph take the body. Uh, So in other words the centurion investigated this, Pilate investigated it. We can be certain that Jesus was dead and if we're in any doubt then we know from John's account of the crucifixion, John 19 verse 34, that one of the soldiers had pierced Jesus in the side and that blood and water came out and that uh, suggests that the heart of Jesus had been pierced that the water was probably either a pleural or pericardial effusion fluid that had gathered around the lungs or the heart of jesus or both and the blood would have come from the heart itself or one of the major vessels beside the heart uh, people who have been um, already in the condition that jesus was in who have their heart uh, their side pierced in that way do not recover that happened after jesus had already died according to John, uh, John's gospel, but it was uh, done, I suppose, by the soldier, presumably to ensure that Jesus really was dead. And it must have been part of the reason why the centurion was certain that this man really was dead. Anyway, back to Matthew 27, the body is taken by uh, Joseph and wrapped in a clean linen shroud. I can't read those words in Matthew 27 verse 59 without thinking of the Turin Shroud. You might be familiar with it. It is a shroud, that a burial shroud, or at least a a linen uh, cloth that bears an imprint of the likeness of a person. And it's something of a mystery to science how that image was created. Uh, The Roman Catholic Church claims that that was the burial shroud of Jesus, and that it's uh, the imprint is, is the face and the body of Jesus. I think my understanding from documentaries that I've watched is that uh, it's agreed that it, it seems to be the outline of a man who was crucified. Uh, but there is quite a bit of debate as to the dates of the creation of the Shroud and of the image, or even how the image was created anyway. Uh, you can check that out for yourself. Personally, I think the jury is out as to whether that was the shroud or not. But what we are seeing in Joseph's actions is that he was uh, tenderly treated, the body of Jesus taken, wrapped up, laid in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. That too was a fulfillment of prophecy. Isaiah 53, verse 9, said that the servant of God who suffered would be buried with the uh, with the rich he was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death and uh, then a great stone is rolled over the tomb it would have been a family burial vault uh, the idea there was that bodies were laid on uh, slabs cut into the rock and after a period of time when the body had decayed the bones would be removed and put in a jar called an ossuary And that would be stored on a shelf somewhere in that tomb. So um, that that was the nature and therefore multiple bodies could be buried there. But this is a new tomb, one where nobody has been buried before, uh, cut into the rock. And it was common to seal a tomb like that with a stone. But of course, the fact that it's sealed with a stone means that it was not easily opened. That stone would have rolled down uh, a slight downward Uh, gradient and that would mean it would take quite some force to push it back up and uh, uh, wouldn't be possible for example for the women Mary uh, and Mary who were sitting there according to verse 61 opposite that's Mary Magdalene and the other Mary the mother of James and Joseph but these two women were there they saw the tomb they knew where it was that's also significant because they will be witnesses of the resurrection let's uh Return again to Matthew 27, verse 62. The next day, that is after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said, while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he's risen from the dead. And the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. I will end our pause there at the end of Matthew chapter 27, verse 66. Here's another measure being taken. The religious leaders who had plotted to have Jesus killed realised that there's a risk that the disciples could steal his body and they could then claim that he had risen. They're aware that Jesus had claimed that. That's quite interesting. As it says, after three days I will rise. Remember that the the, the little bit of false testimony that they uh, used in order to convict Jesus was um based on... Uh, Him talking about destroying the temple or destroy the temple and in three days I will raise it again. Uh, He was talking about his body, but they twisted those words to say that he had said he would destroy the physical temple, that he was an enemy of God's uh, house. It seems from what they say here that the religious leaders really knew rightly. They knew uh, that Jesus wasn't claiming uh, that he would destroy the physical temple, that he was talking about his body. Anyway, um, they come to Pilate, they ask for a guard to be put on uh, on the tomb. And it's not clear whether Pilate provides a guard of Roman soldiers for him. You take a guard, you have a guard, verse uh, twenty sixty five, or whether Pilate is saying you already have your own soldiers, your own um, temple guards, use them. But either way, they they set a guard on the tomb. They make it secure with a seal so that it would be an offence to break that seal and to open it. And uh, they think that the job is done. That Jesus will be, um, uh, uh, his body will be secure. The uh, the, the disciples won't be able to steal it. Well, let's read on into Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. Then Jesus said to them do not be afraid go tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. We'll pause there after verse 10 of Matthew 28. Now uh, each of the gospels gives uh, different elements of an account of the resurrection of Jesus and the events that happened. I'm not going to try here to recount those events sequentially in order Simply to say that all of the Gospels agree that the first witnesses were women, that Mary Magdalene was part of that. We do read in John's Gospel about Mary seeing Jesus alone. Uh, We also read in the other Gospels, in John and in Luke, uh, about Jesus appearing to the disciples. We read about Peter and John running to the tomb. We read about Jesus meeting the disciples in the upper room at least twice, once without Uh, Thomas and then once with Thomas present we read in Luke about the two people on the road to Emmaus who were met by Jesus. In Matthew's account the only appearance of Jesus to the disciples not the women but to the men uh, that we'll read about is at the very end in Matthew 16 in Galilee which follows on from verse 10 where Jesus tells uh, the women go and tell his brothers to go to Galilee. Uh, We'll deal with those last verses of Matthew 28 in the next episode which will be the final one in this series. But here in Matthew we do read about Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, this woman who was uh, the mother of Joseph and James, going to see the tomb and there was an earthquake. The angel of the Lord came down. This is a dramatic event. This angel was like lightning his clothes white as snow there was no doubt that this was a messenger from god they are afraid the guards rather are afraid they tremble and they fall faint uh, like dead men uh, either just fainting or or perhaps uh, more even in a, a temporary coma now that presumably happened before the women arrived it's possible even that the guards had got up and left before the women arrived uh, but when to the women, when the women do arrive, they meet with the angel and the angel tells them not to be afraid, uh, that they he knows they are seeking Jesus, that Jesus isn't there. He's risen, as he said, and invites them to see where he lay. Notice that as well. This is not sort of a, a trick uh, put on by somebody who who doesn't want them to check out the details. He says, but come and see where he lay. We read uh, in the other Gospels that when, when Peter and John got there, they saw the, the, the grave clothes folded, including the head cloth folded, but the grave clothes were there where the body had been. So we have these eyewitness details. The angel tells them to go and tell the disciples that he's risen and that he's going before them to Galilee. But as they are going with fear and joy, I love that, when you encounter God in a, in a dramatic way or a messenger of God and a truth of the gospel, like this resurrection truth, there is a mixture of fear and joy all wrapped up together. They run to tell the disciples, but on their way, Jesus meets them and says greetings. They take hold of his feet and they worship him. Notice that as well. This is also there in John's gospel when Thomas sees Jesus risen. He says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus there receives Thomas's worship and in fact commends him for saying it and says that others will believe in him without seeing him. Here, the women worship Jesus and Jesus receives it. He says, don't be afraid. He doesn't say, stop worshipping me. He accepts their worship because he is the one who is worthy of worship. Now, no one is worthy of worship according to the scriptures other than God so Jesus is accepting the worship that is due to God. And uh, the Jesus, just as the angel had said, tells them to go and tell the disciples, his brothers, to go to Galilee. And as I said, we'll see that encounter in Galilee in uh, verses 16 to 20 in the next episode. But let's finish, uh, the, the or read on rather, in Matthew 28, 11 to 15. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. We'll end our reading at verse 15 of Matthew 28. Jesus has risen. He has appeared to the women. He will appear to the disciples. But what about the guard? Well, some of the guard went into the city and they told the chief priests what had happened. Uh, What did they remember? Well, certainly they must have told them that the body had gone. Did they remember the earthquake? Did they uh, remember seeing the angels? Perhaps, perhaps not in their fear and in their shock, or perhaps they interpreted those events somehow differently and didn't think they had seen an angel. It doesn't say that they said they had seen an angel, but whatever they said, uh, the chief priests, the elders, are determined to... uh, come up with an alternative story and so they bribe the gold soldiers and tell them to tell lies to say that the disciples stole the body and they say they will deal with Pilate if Pilate hears about him and so that's exactly what those guards did. They spread the lie amongst the Jews that Jesus' body had been stolen by the disciples. The very thing that the uh, chief priests had asked for the guard in chapter 27 to prevent. So uh, they came up with this idea maybe the disciples might steal his body, and then when the body disappears, they spread the lie that that is what had happened, despite having tried to prevent that happening by putting the guard and the seal in place. So, what are we to make of all of this? Well, the evidence is clear. Jesus truly. Died. Jesus was truly buried. The tomb was empty. The disciples claimed that an angel and then Jesus himself had appeared to them to say that Jesus was risen. Jesus had foretold that he would rise again. Are we to believe this? Well, I think we can. I think we can because the historic evidence is quite strong. There certainly was an empty tomb. There certainly was a body disappeared. We only have two possible explanations presented to us. One, that the body was stolen by his disciples. The other, that he rose again. Which of those fits the evidence? Not just, even if we were to discount the Gospels uh, and their claim that Jesus was raised, uh, what which should we believe? Well, What did the disciples have to gain by stealing the body? If they stole the body, they knew that Jesus wasn't really alive, that he hadn't risen from the dead. And if that's true, why were those disciples willing to die for Jesus themselves? Most of those disciples ended up being martyred, dying for their faith in Jesus and their testimony to Jesus. And yet, Jesus is. And yet, if they believed Jesus was actually dead, why would they possibly do that? No, I think we have to take seriously that the disciples genuinely believed that Jesus was risen. That's what they testified to, and that is the only thing that can explain the change in them. Back in the previous chapter, we saw that it was the women who stuck closer. Peter denied Jesus. The other disciples fled. What is it that then turned them into people who were courageous enough to testify to Jesus, to stand in front of the very men, according to the book of Acts, who had plotted to have Jesus killed, to risk their own lives, to testify that Jesus was alive. The only thing that can explain that is the only other explanation before us for the empty tomb, which is that Jesus truly rose Again, we can put our confidence in that. And if that is true, then Jesus' death truly accomplished what he said it would accomplish. A ransom for the sins of many. What the signs at the cross said was being accomplished. The hours of darkness, God judging sin, the curtain torn, a new way being opened to God through faith in Jesus. It is finished, Jesus cried, and it was truly finished. His work of dealing with sin. Back in Matthew chapter 5, we read that Jesus said that nothing would pass away from the law until it was accomplished. Here was Jesus accomplishing forgiveness for sins by taking the punishment for sins upon himself. His resurrection proves it. And his resurrection is the turning point that will take fearful, misunderstanding, confused disciples and by the power of the Holy Spirit he will give, turn them into people who will testify to him, to the nations. That's where Matthew's gospel will finish and we'll come to that in the next episode, the final one in this series. But what about you? Have you put your faith in Jesus as saviour? Have you trusted in the living Jesus as your Lord? Are you giving your life to him? Are you living for him? Will you bow down like those women and worship at his feet?